0: Welcome to Fem Lead, the podcast on female leadership and role
1: models. This show aims to inspire and equip you with the tools you need to navigate your career plans. Fem Lead brings inspiring career perspectives and strategies to guide your path to success. Your host, Alexandra, will interview role
0: models on new exciting topics with each episode. If you like what you hear, give us a review and subscribe to the show on your preferred streaming platform. Enjoy. Welcome all to season four of Lead podcast. We discuss career breakthrough, and we have new guests, new stories, and new inspiration to share. Today, my next guest is an empowerment champion, working to provide girls and young women with the skills to build the future of work. Dora Palfi is the co-founder and CEO of Imagilabs, an ed company making products that empower girls with the skills, confidence, and community to create with technology. She has a bachelor's degree in neuroscience with a minor in computer science from New York University Abu Dhabi and has studied human-computer interactions at KTH Royal Institute of Technology in Stockholm. Dora worked as a developer at Morgan Stanley as a new ex-designer at Cisco and has substantial experience teaching programming to children and teenagers, as well as advocating for women in technology. She's originally from Hungary and true to her fictional namesake Dora the Explorer, living, studying, and working in 10 countries across four continents. In addition to her work to bring technology closer to girls, she's also a yoga instructor bringing mindfulness closer to engineers. We already have a super, super, super nice introduction here. Dora has also been recognized on the Forbes 30 under 30 2021 list as one of Europe's leading social entrepreneurs and as a Cartier Women's Initiative Fellow in 2020. So without further ado, let's welcome our guest for the day, Dora Palfi. Hello, Dora. Welcome. It's such
1: a pleasure to have you here. Thank you so much. I'm really glad to be here and and to finally make this happen. Exactly. We've been um, we've been discussing this for a few months
0: because uh, we've met in different uh, instances. We have also been uh, discussing at the Nordic Women in Tech Awards about making this interview a possibility. Uh, Dora is very busy. And she also has a very cool startup to to tell us more about. And I think it's a, really a story about how you can take an idea and transform it into a movement that can inspire girls and teenagers to code. And I would love if you can tell us more about uh, Imagilabs and where are you now as our first question to begin with.
1: Awesome, yes, thank you so much. Um, so we like to say that at Magilabs, we are bringing a fresh take on tech gaming and social impact. These are sort of three things that we are combining um, to achieve our goals. And before I dive more into the details, um, I like to start with this like exercise in logic. So if we can agree that technology is our future, and I believe a lot of your listeners probably from the tech industry, so they would agree. And we also, unfortunately, agree that women are not equally involved in tech today. So in the EU, um, men make up about 87% of all the ICT workforce. And when it comes to like actual developers, it's even a higher percentage. Uh, so from here it sort of like logically follows if tech is the future and women are not equally involved in tech, then we don't have an equal chance to shape the future. And so this is what um, I wanted to change. uh, And then sort of, where to tackle this problem, right? Like there's this is a problem on so many different levels uh, and also an opportunity to change this in so many different levels. Does it come to women in the boardroom, women investing, women leading companies, um, women going from university to becoming developers? But actually the area that uh, I was really excited about focusing on was at the much earlier stage. Um, so it turns out that until around the age of 12, Girls actually have a very similar interest and also confidence to boys that they could create with tech and they could, you know, be a scientist, they could be a programmer. And it's in the early teen years when most girls lose this interest. I think in Sweden particularly, this number is something like 50% of girls lose the interest between the age of 11 and 16 uh, that they could do tech or or for technology. And so, yeah, this is what we set out to to change with Imagilabs. Um, and it all started with uh, a research project I had at, at university that sort of like eventually turned into the startup.
0: Mm-hmm. That's super. I love the fact that you gave us all the context about the problem behind what your startup is trying to solve. Tell us a bit more about what is Labs. What should people expect when they see the logo, when they go on the website? What is it that you are yeah. uh, focusing on?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Essentially, at Labs, like you introduced, that was a sort of broad introduction that we have tools and a community for, for girls to, to become creators with technology. So our products span across the physical and the digital. So we have the Imagi app, which is sort of like a, a social sandbox game uh, that teaches coding through pixel art. Uh, and it has like we mentioned a really positive community and then this experience is enhanced by the magic charm so here is the box of it and then i have one magic charm here so this is the little gadget that you can customize through coding so actually your coding projects will come to life And then finally, we also have uh, sort of educational offerings or opportunity for tools to be used in the classroom. And so that is an additional pillar to what we do. So we don't just provide like games and toys for home use for kids to engage with coding, but also for nonprofit organizations, after school programs and and various sort of group settings in which uh, kids would be learning to code
0: very interesting thanks for showing the 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 product as well and explaining the app if uh, people are watching on youtube they'll figure out that uh, the imagi charm looks a bit like a like a tamagotchi if i'm not mistaken right right? so it reminds us of of that area and tell us a bit about the number of users engagement can you share a bit a few numbers with us
1: yeah sure um So, I guess what's super, super important for us is that, like you said, thinking about engagement and the fact that, um, so over the last year, we had about 12,000 registered users. But out of those, we actually have like true super users who have been coding with us for over a year now. And I think, like, uh, you know, we're still at an early stage where. Oftentimes, it's not just about like the large numbers, but about like individual stories. So having girls who have gone from not knowing anything about coding, now being able to sort of like mentor new users, even hold their own coding workshops, like see them explain what for loops are to other users have been like extremely powerful for us. And in terms of like also our growth, so we have the Imagine Charm, The product that we sell uh, and actually like 80% of our market has been in in the U.S. So that's our biggest market, but we're based in Sweden. So Sweden is our second biggest and we're also present all across Europe. And when it comes to educational partners, we actually held workshops in 16 countries. So from Brazil to uh, the UAE to Latvia. So it's been really across the globe.
0: That's great to hear. If uh, anyone is looking to invest in uh, the future of girls and education, I think they should uh, check out the story of Imagilabs and uh, consider consider reaching out to you. I know that uh, you know the, the, the start of a of such a journey, especially if it's tackling important issues such as education is very um, it's very easy to talk about, but it's very hard to implement. I'm sure that you are also trying some strategic educational uh, projects where you're trying to and um, en- enter in the U.S. market, for example, in the K twelve um, setup, right? So I'm guessing there's a lot of work behind the scenes to make it even more um, known. And and um, right, of course. <laughs> yeah. So if anyone has any tips for that, feel free to contact dora and uh, and share some insights some insights with her when it comes to deciding to become an entrepreneur you said this was a um a student project tell us a bit about how did it become a business
1: yeah so yeah i wasn't one of those uh people who wanted to become an entrepreneur and in fact uh, like growing up in hungary i think the idea of like being an entrepreneur, it's like, it didn't really exist or it wasn't cool. Like having your own business was kind of just like, that's a shady thing to do. Uh, And then when I came to Sweden to study for my master's degree, I mean, Stockholm was just like buzzing with entrepreneurship. I had a few entrepreneurship courses. I like to say I was tricked into studying entrepreneurship because uh, for my scholarship, uh, for my engineering course, I I was forced to take a few courses on business. Uh, But then what happened is that I had this, this product idea or project idea. And the more I heard about startups, and I started to attend local events and meetups it seemed like, whoa, well, wow, you could actually just turn this into something commercially viable and have impact at scale. And so it wasn't like from one day to another. It was more just like, you know, I used to be the type of person who like always had a million hobbies and was dividing my time between so many different activities. And then suddenly there was this one thing uh, this idea that just like kept taking up more and more space and it made it easy for me to say no to other things and then I started to like drag some of my friends into it like hey could you help out with this prototype or you're a 3D uh, like artist could you design like how this could look like and then it just started to take up more and more space and then at some point um yeah we reached we reached a point where are like okay we really want to do this and then I think a month or two later we got our like first customer who wanted to pay us and they were like okay I guess now we really need to actually make a company so we could like invoice for this so you know it it really was just like a gradual process uh and and we always just climbed the next month as it came
0: mm. and I love the story of how um it was a natural progression from an idea because if you look for example at the female invest and their start as having you know some um uh, Classes or courses on investment, and then people saying, "I would pay for this." It's you know very mm-hmm. similar in terms of you created something that brought value, and someone said, "Well, I would actually pay to have access to this." It's not uh, just about knowing that it the technology could exist or the concept can exist, but I would pay to have it in my hands and use it myself, or or their their children if they were if they were parents, right? I think that's very very relevant to discuss a bit. Maybe what do you think would be a good advice for someone that uh, has this, um, maybe lack of confidence to go for something that could become commercially viable, even though the concept is uh, actually accepted within a community. Do you have any sort of um, stories about confidence, fear of unknown? And um, how did you decide to push that forward and, and start as an entrepreneur?
1: Yeah, I mean, of course, and these are really, really great points so, Yeah, for us. The first customer was this organization who had like a program for girls to learn coding and they didn't just buy one, right? Like they paid for like 30 upfront and like a whole course. So I guess... Um, yeah, when it comes to confidence, I mean, of course, it's actually good, I think, to not be overconfident or, or uh, this is like an ongoing debate in sort of like the startup investment community, right? That like investors might uh, refrain from investing in women because they're like, oh, they are not as visionary. When in reality, they are just more realistic <laughs> and and uh, you know uh, are really weighing the risks that they are going to take. So, I mean, I think it both has a good and a bad side to it, like being a bit more sort of like, uh, careful. And, and I think in the early days, like, again, what I would say is always just like climb the next mountain. So I think like, don't get paralyzed by all the challenges that could come up, sort of just like, think of it as a learning process and like, what's the worst thing that can happen? I mean, we we used to joke with this and I guess we still do sometimes like, what's the worst thing that can happen? We'll have to go and get like regular jobs. And that's really, you know um, what could happen. So I think like having this approach to it that like, Oh, I mean, especially in our case, we're like young, you know, just coming out of school, like what is there uh, to lose for us? Nothing. It's just really so much learning to be done. So I think if you look at it as as the learning process, as opposed to like, uh, am I going to succeed or fail? Uh, Then you really remove that pressure and give yourself an opportunity to just like try it out and, and see where it takes you.
0: Super, super useful advice and also very honest that uh, it also happened to you naturally that uh, it became a a commercial viable product and it took off. And I would like to ask on this note um, about your target group because you are target as an end user, um, teenagers, young young women, uh, girls that are interested in uh, coding or that would like to enter the, the tech scene uh, with, with this uh, application and the product. But what about their parents? Because I'm guessing uh, a lot of the young girls that you are targeting will not have the financial means to buy necessarily any Charm. Is there a way that you um, have thought about the, the parents and how to promote the product, how to make it more viable for parents to find out about it and, and so on?
1: Yes. So this is a very, very interesting question and like very relevant to anyone who is looking to make a, like a children's product. Um, and we also went through like quite a bit of like interviewing iterations with the product, seeing the engagement. And initially, we thought that our target audience would be a bit older, like you're saying, like teenager, 12 to 16. But actually, uh, the more we sort of like tested and understood our opportunity, we started to focus on a younger audience, like 8 to 12. And there it became much more clear that it must be the parent who is the purchasing uh, decision maker. At teenager's it's a bit different; they might already have their own uh, like opportunities to spend money, and like you're saying, yes, like you really, really have to address the parents too. So anyone like building uh, a products or or services for children has to essentially cater to both an end user and the paying customer. And so, you know, we just have to be fully aware of it that we need to have a buy-in from both, Um, which is hard, but, you know, uh, we're not doing this because it would be easy, but it's just like you have to be really honest about it that you need to get the buy-in from both ends, essentially.
0: Mm -hmm. When it comes to some um, maybe... Uh, discoveries you've you've made about gen z because you are targeting a young audience you are targeting girls and Mm. and adolescents teenagers what are some interesting um, data that you can share with us about their interest in stem about you know the way they use the app
1: Mm. you're interesting i mean of course, like no brainers, but like the audience is like such digital natives, you know, like, and when you come from like a UX background, like I do, and you know, you really value user testing, but it's super important that you test with the right audience because I don't know, some versions of the app would be like very non-intuitive for adults or adults wouldn't like it, but actually it works super well for kids. So I think there's just simply like, you know, they have like such a better understanding or like ability to sort of like guess how things would work as opposed to adults is very interesting. Um, And I mean, something that's like, I mean, it's both a learning and something that we are like aware of is of course, like privacy and security, but it seems like uh, this young audience, like they're growing up with like an online presence and they're actually pretty good at like keeping their identity like uh, private. So like not disclosing their identity but being engaged in a community and so that is really important for our like uh, success because you know with such young audience we can't like expect to have like real identities revealed it's actually much safer not to but we have to like we want to have a strong community so that has been an interesting process for us to figure out like what we can do on our own platform that uh, fosters community but make sure that there is like, security um and how to like manage a community, but yeah, so far for us it's been extremely positive, and and you know rather sort of like encouraging community, and 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 the users able to like have their limits set and not you know reveal anything that would be um, yeah too sensitive information.
0: That's great to hear, and um, indeed you are targeting a digital native uh, audience as we as we call it now, and. It's really interesting to understand what are some of the main challenges you consider when you know that your audience is more prone to using the digital product uh, since their their early childhood. Tell us a bit about the team behind uh, Imagilabs, because you say we are building and we are testing. Um, tell us a bit about the team setup. Uh, tell me a bit about how you created the The co-founding team and what are some of your tips about making it work from a student project to an actual uh, business
1: Mm. yeah so I mean I was lucky to have like one of my best friends uh, VHS uh, be living in Sweden and I've known her from NYU Abu Dhabi and she actually had a background in in hardware engineering or like electrical engineering so it was very, very like logical to just ask her to start helping out with Labs. Uh, and then we also had another friend from university, Paula, who was a software engineer. And so we reached out to Paula if she could help just like part-time, um, like starting to prototype the app. And I would say, just like I said, it was a very like gradual process for us. So it wasn't like asking someone to like jump ship right away, but like having the opportunity for, just like test out the waters and really for months, like see if this is something they wanna do. And and then, so for example, Paola joined us in later. um, uh, She used to be like full-time working in Hong Kong, but still putting in like 10 hours of work into our our first version of the app. So uh, I guess like it was very much like my personal network and like having extremely smart people (laughs) as friends, whom I could sort of, yeah, ask if they wanted to help out with Imagilabs. Um, but I guess when it comes to team, it's still like, you know, we have like complementing skills, which is obviously extremely important. But I think for us, what has been the biggest is just being really aligned on the vision and, and why we're doing this and being moderated from like by the same team. Um, uh, like problem to be solved and so I think that has helped us through a lot uh, so I think that's like one tip for me just like being extremely aligned with the uh, co-founders and then also of course like aiming for complementary skills um, and then I guess for the rest of the team like yeah it, or just like in general like now we've been growing you know with a few more employees and it's always like super impressive when you can like find people who are just uh, probably a lot smarter than you at the things that you are hiring them to do. Uh, And so, so yeah, that is like an exciting journey to to, uh, go down on. And I'm very, very happy and lucky that we have met some people who who have like, you know, really fit into the team.
0: Definitely. And to complement a bit the mission of of the company, you know, it really reminds me or it gives me this idea of bigger-than-self mission and vision that, you know, they're just people who relate to that so much and that want to be part of the journey from the beginning or they want to join Mm -hmm. as the company is scaling. And it's simply something that you feel when people get together and they're like, we know why we're here the the co-founding team is aligned we know that we have to accomplish big things and we are starting small but we're very ambitious and it's really good to hear that you found people that are aligned with this uh, mission and vision because it's uh to a certain extent something most of us strive for to go to work and feel like we're fulfilled with the mission and the vision of the organization so congrats on that i think it's super super nice Tell us a little bit about uh, scaling. How do you tackle the scaling part of the business? Now you're talking about adding new members to the team. And I would be curious to know what do you see as challenges, barriers, um, something that you want to reflect on?
1: Mm. I mean, I think it's, um, again, just referring back to the same question. It's like uh, always just get through the challenges that you're facing now, sort of. So yeah. Um, Yeah, there's, like, so many difficulties and so many difficult problems to solve that, honestly, if I had known that all of this was going to happen, it would have been probably really scary to want to start a company. But then, like, as you're moving forward, you're also, like, more and more prepared to solve them. (laughs) And and so, I mean, in this journey, you know, first, we're part of staying, which is this incubator here in Stockholm. Uh, that's really well known and also has like incredible mentors who are really good for our like first phase of the business and then we were able to get some like really good angel investors on board so for example Eros who is the former CMO of Discord is one of our angel investors but also an advisor we have another angel investor who was uh, who is one of the sharks like the Hungarian edition of Shark Tank and you know had built a company from nothing to 700 employees so I think like as you can like move forward, you start getting these mentors and advisors around, and like they really help you tackle most of the scaling problems. So I would say like if again comes down to like so like people, resources, talent, but also not just from like the team side, but like the advisors that you're able to get uh, to be around you.
0: Mm-hmm. Super interesting, and also very important to note that uh, everything you're talking about is also backed up by investors and by teams of experienced, Professionals who give you advice because it is obviously uh, something that is a normal progression as the company scales that you want to right. have good advice within your ecosystem. So definitely don't uh, don't think that everything happens uh, out of a sudden without any sort of, uh, right. of help. Okay, tell us a bit about uh, then the uh, experience in pitching and uh, going to those investment meetings. Tell us a little bit about your um, experience with it. Any tips? Have you been in any situations where you were surprised or you were, you know, you learned something that you think is valuable to share?
1: I mean, I think one thing is that, of course, as a founder, it's usually pretty hard to empathize with how it is to hear about your business for the first time, because you know it so well. And so I think that's also something I struggled with that, uh, you know, I assume maybe some there's some things that people would understand, so like really making the language simple. And so when I went on the Hungarian edition of Shark Tank, I super appreciated the, the pitch coaching there because I think that was the first time where I had like sort of like a very professional person who's like, there's going to be a million people watching this and these people like don't work in tech. <laughs> so, you know, you have to make this like so simple that everyone will understand and and you know it really stuck with me some of the ways in which we like rephrase the things that i say because you know you just end up saying such like specific uh, jargon uh, that like, doesn't resonate with people so i think like some of the learnings have just been around like how to make it simple then i think again maybe just getting to the gender perspective like i've gotten this feedback and i am aware that like you know you have to be a bit better at like bragging or like <laughs> phrasing things in a way where like go with the strengths go with what you've already figured out and i think like I have a natural tendency to like definitely not oversell. And so that's also something I think you have to, to learn quite a bit and you know, it's not about like making things seem bigger than they are but just like really emphasizing the things that, that have worked well. Uh, so I think like these two have been like really big learning sort of like really simplify the language and then like focus or make sure that like you really outline the strengths and the positives. Um,
0: yeah Mm -hmm. and for our audience to understand a bit more about your day-to-day how much of your let's say month or week whatever you however you wanna you wanna look at it how much time do you spend on preparing for the next uh, fundraising round how much time do you uh, do you spend uh, doing stakeholder management and talking to investors and and mentors about the business
1: yeah it's a good question so I actually do track my time so that's like Every week for the past more than three years now, I have like sort of a an outline of what percentage I spent on like product and sales and fundraising. And of course, like fundraising that comes more like in waves, right? Like there's times when you practically don't do any of it. Like maybe you just like <laughs> write your monthly update to your investors. And then there's times when you like spend 80% or whatever on, on that part. Um, and so, yeah, I guess like... Uh, there is no like right or wrong way, but I think the general sort of like startup knowledge goes that like the more you can be focused on it all at once, the better. But I would say in my experience, you know, life might not work that way always. <laughs> and, and you know, um, it, it would probably take longer than you first expected. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think taking some extra time to um, to prepare for the pitch, to also do the management of discussions and everything. It's also part of the the actual fundraising process. And I feel that, like you said, it's always longer than it seems if you don't take in the time that you spend preparing uh, emails, uh, discussions, negotiations. So definitely something to, to consider as well as part of the entrepreneurial game. It's not really all about creating an app or testing the product. It's also about selling it, Uh, explaining all of the features to someone that's not necessarily um, take invested as much. So super, super relevant advice. What is next then for Imagilabs? What do you have prepared for 2022 and also maybe for next year's?
1: Yeah, so I think we touched upon it earlier that we sort of have these end users, but then we have like two different ways to reach them. Like one is through their parents or like the consumer market and one is through the educational market. And something exciting that happened, we received two larger grants uh, back in December. So one through One Young Worlds competition that was sponsored by Deloitte and one from actually the city of Stockholm. And both of these grants were uh, for us to be able to upgrade our educational platform. And so that's really exciting. We've been working on this so that we can actually provide like a more um, like classroom suited platform. So yeah, very much looking forward to launching our uh, yeah sort of a new educational platform. And then actually also in the workings, the completely like new version of our, our app and game is also in the making, but that will not come out in in this like 2022, but only the year after. And I guess like one thing that I am looking forward to, and, and of course, like, so we launched our product like during COVID, right? And we have a physical product. And I mean, it's not saying that like, it's been impossible to use it because we've found ways around it. But whenever like, the situation was a bit better with the virus, so for example, we could go to like Comic Con Stockholm. We had an amazing like marketing opportunity, or you know, we were able to host an event at the technical museum in Stockholm. Like I'm really, really looking forward to like sort of like the world opening up that way. So for the first time, we can really take advantage of so like uh, physical marketing and in-person events and, and uh, like spreading brand awareness that way.
0: That's super, super important and relevant to mention here as well. Uh, follow dora and see where she's going and if you if you happen to be in the in the city or if you happen to go to the same event uh, go check out their their product and also see how you can you can help i really like to follow your journey i've actually been following it since the beginning of time because somehow somebody tagged you somewhere on linkedin and then we got connected and then we started being in similar circles here in the nordics it was really a pleasure to see your journey we've also done an event together with students in New York which was really fantastic because it was such a you know out of my ordinary day to day but then it was really relevant for them and then it was sponsored by Imagilabs so a lot of opportunities remote but also a lot of opportunities offline to meet and interact with people that could really have an impact best of luck in both instances i think you have a great product and i also know that you are really having a great mission so it's really fantastic to to see all of that um i want to I want to continue this interview now towards the end about um, discussing a little bit your mental health and how do you take care of yourself as an entrepreneur? You are a yoga instructor. I mentioned it earlier. But tell us a little bit about uh, what is your, I don't know if routine, but what is your advice for everyone that uh, is an entrepreneur about taking care of yourself?
1: Mm. Yes, very good point. So yeah, you mentioned already that I'm a yoga teacher and I actually became an instructor not much before starting my startup. And I think that has played a huge role in sort of like me having um, like a really steady mental state in the sense that like, you know, even if things got extremely busy, I can't cancel on the class that I'm teaching last minute. So I have to show up and then that puts me in the right mindset. Um, I think something that I recently learned is like knowing what type of person you are, like, are you more driven by sort of like internal motivation? uh, Or do you sort of like need external validation as well? And so for me, I'm very much like driven by like internal motivation. So I get just really motivated by having my long-term goals. And then from that, like breaking it down into shorter term and then my weekly goals and my daily goals and like checking off my check my, my to-do list. And I feel fully like satisfied if I feel like I did my best here. So for me, like that structure works really well. And I think uh, when it comes to like finding also just like mental mm, like balance and, and work-life balance, uh, for me, it has helped to, to also just have like, sort of hobbies and activities outside of work that i really like care for and like learning how to just like let go of like the work stress completely and and so yeah i mean i think everyone has to like find their own like for me yoga is one of those running and and having goals around uh, like these other activities it really helps me just you know not think that oh work is the only thing that exists and so Therefore, if work is not going well, then everything is going wrong. So I think like having the other other things in focus as well can really help just like having a yeah, a good mental health. So like, you know, for running, like I ran my first marathon last year and it was just like so much fun that I could accomplish something outside of Imagine Apps as well.
0: (laughs) That sounds really great. It's also about differentiating between your private life and your personal life and don't identify with one role that you have in life, which is the professional hat. And that's also something that uh, we we discuss a lot online and something that comes up in friend discussion for myself. You know, how do we take care of ourselves without uh, without giving away our professional side, but not identifying all of our surroundings with that one role? Super relevant example. So I hope everybody will consider if they don't have a hobby to at least consider yoga as a start point because it seems like it's it's a great place to start as well or anything else that can uh, can make you not focus on only your your role at, the, at work. Is there anything looking back that you would have done differently?
1: Mm. Yeah, so I mean, I generally am the type of person who thinks, right, like everything that has happened has taken me to where I am today and I'm really happy here. So I don't like to like dwell too much on the past. I think one thing that like we have learned or like I have learned also in the startup journeys that uh and we talk about this a lot with the team is oftentimes like you have this gut feeling that something is not gonna be right, but you kind of just like wait to see, oh, maybe it will be. And you know, you're in a startup, you should be fast. So I think just like going a bit faster with like gut decisions could have been like saving us the time, you know? (laughs) And then I think that's one of the things that I'm trying to be more intentional about.
0: That is super relevant advice to kind of trust yourself in the process and not give everything to someone else or see it as an external um, external thought. Thank you. This was super relevant. And um, I do want to wrap up our interview. We're going to go very soon to the five five final, final five or five questions. Tell us a little bit about um, or maybe one uh, final thought. Let's wrap it up with one final thought that you want to leave our listeners with.
1: Yeah, I mean, I always love to take these opportunities to just like tell everyone that you know you all have the opportunity to to make a difference when it comes to gender equality in the tech industry and 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 in our world. And so you know, if you have a younger sister or daughter or niece or just a neighbor, you can always encourage them to take pride in their brains and their creativity and encourage them to try coding so of course like the magic app and the magic charm is is one great place to start there is several others so we have for example a blog post on our website on imagilabs.com with i think eight free coding games and also like free resources for educators so you know check these out or, or check other tools out and and just make sure that the girls feel like coding is a space for them
0: that's fantastic. Thank you so much, Dora. It was a really a pleasure to have you here. I'm very happy we could do this interview and I'm very happy we could hear more about your story and the uh, well, details of being an entrepreneur and uh, having such a mission-driven startup. Let's go to the file five uh, fire questions where the first question is what is one book you think everyone should read?
1: Um, I think Grit by Angela Duckworth is an excellent read.
0: Fantastic. What is the best piece of advice you have ever received?
1: So I don't know if it's an advice, but I was told I don't have to become a doctor when I was finishing high school. And that was essentially translating to you don't have to do what others expect of you. Uh, and that has been extremely important for me. Super. Who is your role model? Um. Yeah, this is a really hard one, but I think um, I do think of Melinda Gates is one excellent role model because of how she approaches like doing good in the world, like actually not just, you know, talking the talk, but walking the walk, doing her research and then implementing strategies to, to create impact.
0: Awesome. And if you were to have another career, what would you choose to do?
1: Oh, well, so I mean, obviously, I'm extremely passionate about uh, like education. So I thought about, you know, I could be just teaching, become a teacher. I think that would be a fun uh, and very fulfilling career to have as well.
0: Fantastic. And lastly, if you could change places with someone, who would it be and why?
1: Again, I probably would not want to change places, but uh, I thought about this question and I think, you know, if I had to switch with someone, maybe I could switch for someone like Jeff Bezos and just utilize their wealth and influence to to just target one of the most depressing issues that I care about. So uh, donate or, you know, work more on gender equality, on education or climate change or AI safety. So some of these topics, you know, have the have the resources to address them all.
0: Thank you so much, Dora. This has been a a great interview. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for joining us today and best of luck with Imagilabs.
1: Thank you and and best of luck with the rest of the podcast. Thank you for doing this work.
0: Thank you. And thank you all for listening. Stay tuned for more interviews with inspiring role models. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Lead Podcast. Share the news with your friends and follow us on social media at Femme Lead Podcast Everywhere.